Welcome to Create Photography, a podcast all about the creative side of photography. This is Daniel Sig. In today's episode, I want to talk about Impressionism, an art movement that started in Paris, France in the 19th century. Today I'd like to talk about Impressionism, an art movement that started in France in the 19th century. I'm sure you know some of the prominent artists from that period, such as Claude Monet. What does Impressionism have to do with creativity and photography? We will get to that, but there are some very interesting touching points between photography and Impressionism that started back in the 19th century and that we can perhaps even, at least in part, apply today. So Impressionism is a style or art movement in painting that started in Paris, France in the 1860s. It is characterized by trying to depict the visual impression of the moment, especially in terms of the shifting effects of light and color rather than pure reality itself. In the early 1860s, young painters Claude Monet, Pierre-Auguste Renoir, Alfred Sisley, Frédéric Basile, and Edouard Manet in France started to develop a new style that was very different from the established style. The establishment was somewhat controlled by the French Academy of Fine Arts, and the Academy really supported historical depictions of historical events and so forth, and portraits, while considering landscapes and still lifes as inferior. The Salon de Paris, so the Saloon of Paris, so to say, was a place where the major artworks were exhibited and judged by the Academy. And the artists had to submit their paintings to the Academy and what also happened is that paintings that didn't really conform to the norm were routinely rejected. That really frustrated those young painters in particular, in particular those who tried to experiment with a new and somewhat innovative style. The Emperor Napoleon III eventually created a Salon of the Refused in 1863 and did a one-off exhibit of the paintings that were refused that year by the Academy. And the public very much enjoyed that. Now, he did do that really on pressure from the public. So as mentioned, this was a one-off event and artists petitioned requesting a new Salon they refusé in 1867 and again in 1872 were denied. The artists Monet, Renoir, Pissarro, Sisley, Cezanne, Morisot, Degas and several others eventually founded their own association. The association was called the Cooperative and Anonymous Association of Painters, Sculptures and Engravers and they had the goal to exhibit their artworks independently of the Academy. 
and they were founded in December 1873. Their first exhibition was held in April 1874 at the studio of the photographer Nadar, N-A-D-A-R. It was during that exhibition that the piece called Impression Sunrise by Claude Monet was exhibited. It's a beautiful painting that I'll actually show in the show notes as well at Daniel Sick Photography dot com forward slash episode zero two six. A guy named Louis Leroy wrote a scathing review in the newspaper Le Charivari in which and he made a work play with the title of Claude Monet's Impression Sunrise. He coined the term Impressionism. Now the Impressionists actually liked that term and eventually took it over and started to at least in part, identify with that. I think there were a couple exceptions. Not every single Impressionist was accepting that term, but I think most of them. This group of Paris-based Impressionist artists eventually grew. Their independent exhibitions brought them to prominence during the 1870s and 80s, and Impressionism became a more accepted art form. Monet, Sisley, Morisot, and Pissarro may be considered the purest Impressionists in their consistent pursuit of an art of spontaneity, sunlight, and color. Impressionism is a precursor of various painting styles, including Neo-Impressionism, Post-Impressionism, Fauvism, and Cubism. Reception As mentioned, the Impressionists faced harsh critique from the conventional art community in France, especially in the beginning. Eventually, the public started to appreciate this new vision and style, though, and it became more and more established. Let's talk about painting techniques and how those techniques may intersect with photography. So the Impressionist painting techniques are actually quite interesting, and I thought it would be fun to contrast them with some of what we can do in photography. So Impressionist paintings are characterized by short, thick strokes of paint that quickly capture the essence of a subject rather than its details. So especially when you look up close to those paintings, like ideally in an art museum, um, then you will actually see that. And I think it becomes more clear what is actually really meant by the impression of the scene. So they're focusing much more on the overall impression versus the details of a scene or, or the finite or the, or the fine details of a scene. Now, in photography, we can actually maybe do this, create this effect. It's not the same effect, of course. It's not a brush stroke effect, but we can render certain aspects of a scene out of focus on purpose. And that's actually something I played with with my own photography for a little while now and very much enjoy it. Now, colors are often dominant and primary colors that are being used by the Impressionists, and they're often applied side by side with as little mixing as possible. And the vibrancy of the colors is often a key ingredient. Now, we can 
in some ways, of course, not do this in photography, and yet we can do it so paradoxically. So we can do some of that in post-processing if we do some digital post-processing in a program like Lightroom or Photoshop. We can certainly increase vib vibrancy or saturation. But of course, with both of those, uh, vibrancy and saturation, they're somewhat related. We have to be very careful, and we really want to make sure we're not overdoing this. But, you know, it, it can be done a little bit in, in post-processing. Now, grays and dark tones are produced by mixing complementary colors. And I talked about this a little bit in the color theory episode, um, which you can find at danielsickphotography.com forward slash color. And that is one way to kind of create more grays in a color and go away from a purely saturated color, which by definition has no, no gray. Now, the other thing that's kind of interesting and unique about uh, Impressionists, and again, Claude Monet is probably a great example of that, is really avoiding the use of black paint. So they literally did not use black paint in their paintings. Now, we could do this in our photography by avoiding pure blacks in our images if we want to, and just kind of adjust, for example, our levels in our photographs, um, again, in Lightroom or Photoshop, if we want to try to do that. Now, wet paint is placed into wet paint without waiting for successive applications to dry. So in other words, we'll have some of that, you know, colors start to seep into the other color and we have some of the mixing on the campus. Uh, sorry, on the canvas, and will produce softer edges and some intermingling of color using that effect. Again, I think we can do that in photography by, you know, by again doing some sort of out-of-focus rendering of our images. So by having on purpose certain aspects of our image out of focus. Um, in Impressionism and Impressionist painting, the play of natural light is emphasized. So close attention is paid to the reflection of colors from object to object. That's actually very interesting. It's obviously, if we're paying close to attention to our photographic images and scenes, we'll see that too. And we're seeing like everything reflects everything else. I talked about this in the physics of light episode as well. Um, and I think it's an important concept, but the uh, impressionists started to really recognize that perhaps more and really they started to be, use that effect much more um, deliberately. In uh, photography, we can also emphasize the play of natural light. Of course, we can photograph in natural light and we can perhaps also then do some post-processing to emphasize, you know, certain contrasts and scenes and, you know, place of natural light in our images as well. Now, the Impressionist paintings are often made en plein air, plein air so outdoors. And shadows are boldly painted with the blue of the sky as it is reflected onto the surfaces. So again, we have this concept of reflection here and the Impressionists really started to use that in their painting. So they're not painting shadows, just pure dark. They're giving the shadows um, 
a little bit of blue and often because they painted outdoors and more often than not, you know, during the day, maybe during sunset as well. And um, so they're giving their images perhaps a sense of freshness that was perhaps previously not, not there. Now, Blue Shadows on Snow is also um, inspired by this technique. Now, the technique of making shadows more blue is actually commonly used in cinematography. And again, I'd like to refer you to the episode on color on that one, where I talk a little bit more about that and you know how cinematographers um, really focus on color grading quite a bit. Of course, we can do that in still photography as well. This is perhaps a little bit more of an advanced technique, and there are really several ways to do this. So to add blues to our shadows, to our darker areas of our images. We can do that with curves in both Lightroom and Photoshop, or we can also do it with split toning. Now, I know that's quite technical, but I'll just link to a YouTube tutorial that I think summarizes that those two techniques very nicely and uh, very efficiently, actually. So, so I'll link to that in the show notes. Let's talk about composition, subject choice, and subject rendering and impressionism. So this was a big part of the movement as well. So not just the painting technique. And again, instead of painting historical events or portraits as somewhat demanded by the academy, the artists, the impressionist artists captured real life scenes and landscapes and combinations of thereof. The objects and subjects depicted in the paintings look as they are not finished, which at the time, as I mentioned previously, was really revolutionary. Impressionism also influenced other art forms, including music, Debussy was one of them, and writing, Baudelaire was one of the writers influenced by Impressionism. Here's an interesting fact. So new technology actually played a big role in the development of this style. Impressionists took advantage of the mid-century introduction of pre-mixed paints in tin tubes, which something we're obviously now used to um, nowadays, of course. And those tin tubes, like nowadays, paints resemble modern toothpaste tubes. And that actually really allowed artists to work more spontaneously, both outdoors and indoors. Previously, painters made their own paints individually by grinding and mixing dry pigment powders with linseed oil, which then was stored in animal bladders. So the Impressionists really relaxed the boundary between subject and background so that the effect of an Impressionist painting often resembles a snapshot a part of a larger reality captured as if by chance. And that really brings me now to the intersection with photography. Photography as an inspiration to paint more subjectively, but also more candidly. So back then when Impressionism started, photography was also gaining popularity and cameras became more portable and photographs became more candid. 
Now, you know, again, they were not super portable back then, so they were still on tripods. They had very long exposure times and so forth. But, you know, people were taking photographs outside and in the field. It is thought that photography inspired impressionists to represent moments in landscapes, but also in daily lives of people. So I thought that's actually very interesting. Photography was considered in a way superior to depicting reality of landscapes and portraits, although not in color back then. So in a sense, uh, photography was an objective way of depicting reality. So while this, in a way, devalued painting as a means to showing reality of landscapes or people, it inspired artists to pursue more subjective means of representing reality. Back then, it was thought that photography eliminated that subjectivity, which nowadays can, of course, be argued depending on the photographic techniques applied. I want to talk about women impressionists. So painting back then was very male-dominated, and it was actually considered unladylike to excel in art. Female painters were being excluded from discussions that took place at places like cafes and salons and so forth, where the male impressionist painters would actually meet and share their ideas. So it's obviously, you know, that whole concept of talking about your art and other people's art and so forth is a very important one. And, you know, it's a great source of inspiration. In spite of these and other formidable challenges for the women painters back then, several women found success in painting in the Impressionist style and tradition, although this was only only very recently um, recognized in, by the art community, unfortunately. Especially four of them, uh, Mary Cassatt, Eva Gonzalez, Mary Brockmont, and Barrett Morisot were often referred to as women impressionists. Their participation in the series of eight impressionist exhibitions that took place in Paris from 1874 to 1886 actually varied. Morisot participated in seven, Cassat in four, Brockmont in three, and Gonzalez actually didn't participate at all. I want to talk a little bit about Claude Monet, although briefly. Claude Monet was one of the dominant figure of Impressionism, and I think even nowadays when people talk about Impressionism, I think you have to almost, you have to mention Claude Monet. So Claude Monet lived from 1840 to 1926. So he had a long life. And as I mentioned, he was one of the major impressionist painters. As mentioned before, the term impressionism is derived from the title of one of his paintings, Impression Sunrise. It was exhibited in 1874 in the first of the independent exhibitions as an alternative to the Salon de Paris, as I mentioned previously. I think Monet's work is beautiful. I generally really enjoy the Impressionist style very much, but his work is really very, very beautiful. 
And I will, as I mentioned, I will link to a couple of his works in the show notes. One will be the Impression Sunrise image that kind of was at the beginning of the movement. And then I want to also share some of his water lilies paintings. Claude Monet started painting the water lilies in the late 19th century, first in vertical views with the Japanese bridge as a central feature, and later in a series of large-scale paintings that he worked on for the last 20 years of his life until his death in 1926. Monet's lily painting became more abstract the later the paintings were painted, although they probably are still considered uh, impressionist in style. Many art viewers and art lovers probably associate the lilies with prime examples of impressionistic style, but do not realize, and that includes me, that those were painted after the prime of the impressionist movement, so which was more in the 1870s and 1880s. And as I mentioned, the majority of the water lilies that Monet painted were actually painted in the first quarter of the 20th century. So that was a huge project for him. It was very, very important to him. And yeah, there's there's a very interesting um, documentary about the life of Claude Monet that I'll also link in the show notes that I would recommend kind of an interesting style of showing the life of Claude Monet. And I think that gives you better insight into his painting and his life. So while some of the earlier water lily paintings were quite small, about one meter square or less, some of the later ones reached enormous formats. So the largest one was actually two meters by 17 meters. So absolutely humongous. I want to talk about Impressionism versus Expressionism. So what's the difference? Expressionism is a modernist movement, so it actually came quite a bit later than Impressionism. And it started initially in poetry and painting, and that was at the beginning of the 20th century. It is a style that is radically subjective and tries to evoke moods and emotions. The goal was not to show physical reality, but really show the world from a very subjective perspective. I think while the Impressionists have clearly subjective elements, Expressionists go substantially further with their subjectivity. One of the most famous Expressionist paintings that inspired the Expressionists is Edward Monk's The Scream from 1893. Art as an inspiration. As I, I think shared before, I personally find fine arts, including painting, drawing, sculpturing, and so forth, very inspiring. I'm probably more inspired by those arts than by other photographers, to, to be truthful, for my own photography. I personally love to visit art museums, whether it is in my hometown, Basel, or Minneapolis-St. Paul, or in the cities I have the chance to visit. I encourage you to do the same and 
check out art that you may not normally be looking at and engaged in. You may not particularly like the Impressionist style, but perhaps there is something that you can take away from looking at those paintings. It might give you new ideas or new ways of looking at things, maybe new ways to compose an image, look at the colors and so forth. So I always, whenever I go to art museums or look at art books, I think it's it's very inspiring. And of course, you know, we don't have to necessarily even look at the fine arts we can even we can also look at design or architecture or other things as well to get to get and find inspiration or music etc that concludes this episode as i mentioned i will link to some of the images in the show notes at danielsickphotography.com forward slash episode 026 please share it with others who might enjoy it as well Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next time.